Tonight, you folks at home and we here in the Coliseum will watch history in the making. The first game ever for the Minnesota Timberwolves. Farm to Table Studios brings you today's edition of The Howl. Morgan's Farm to Table is located on County Road 42 in Nicollet in Burnsville. Taste the difference. Award winning. The Howl would like to welcome you to the Nothing But Net channel on Dash Radio. Nothing But Net is a channel like no other, featuring all teams and all topics from everybody's favorite league, the NBA. The Howl is also a proud member of CLNS Media Network and can be found on clnsmedia.com as well as Podient, iTunes, Stitcher, and Google Play. The Howl is also produced with thanks to our wonderful supporting partners, Rhyme Sayers Entertainment, the pinnacle of underground hip-hop worldwide, Studio 23, where passion reigns supreme, and Isabel Street Heat, adding a bit of spice into your everyday life. I am the Jordan flu game of the radio world, your host Rob Hess. Seated to my left is none other than Kevin, rock and a hard place, Draves. Tonight's first quarter, we are joined by Mario Navarro, one of the top cheerleading coaches in the state. Mario used to be a part of both the Wolves and the Gophers stunt cheer teams. He also has a can't-miss story involving Chauncey Billups. Second quarter, we are joined by the one and only Spose, who not only gives us a fantastic interview, but is also our featured halftime and show artist this week. Always remember, whether you are a starter or a bench player, always give 110% or why even show up at all. It's time for the howl. All right, we are joined tonight by Mario Navarro. Uh, Mario, why don't you tell the listeners um, kind of what your story is uh, currently. You're uh, one of the premier uh, high school cheerleading coaches. Uh, well, premier, I'm not so sure about that, but thanks. Uh, but my background starts at the uh, U- University of Minnesota and went through the Minnesota Vikings, uh, Minnesota Timberwolves, and I taught uh, with the UCA, Universal Cheerleaders Association, for about uh, 10 years. And now I'm at uh, EU High School. Yeah, and you guys, you guys were just at nationals. Uh, how did you guys do there? This year was a little bit tougher, um, not as well as we'd like to, but uh, 
we were pretty pleased with their performance overall. But uh, again, I had some trouble. And if you have those kind of troubles, you're uh, likely not to uh, advance and be as successful as you want. And we had those troubles, unfortunately. Well, you're right. Maybe I spoke too soon about that premiere, I guess. <laughs> yeah, that's right. But uh, we had a very new team. I mean, they were very young. We had four eighth graders, and our oldest was a tenth grader. So we had a very young, inexperienced team. Um, but I thought they did very well for their age, their experience. And I can't complain. They did, they did a nice job. I mean – even just making it to nationals is obviously a, a nice success. Although, uh, you know, you make it pretty much every year, which which maybe it's it's not as big of a, a deal for you guys because you're so used to you know all that uh, local success too. So, but but congrats on doing that. Uh, let's let's kind of get into uh, kind of your your past a bit. So so you start. You mentioned how you were with uh, the Gophers. Uh, now, what sports did you did you do when you were with the Gophers? Uh, we cheered, or I cheered at uh, football games and basketball games. All right, so uh, I guess kind of to set the scene, what were who were some of the big names when you were uh, with the Gophers as far as basketball goes? Bigger names there were was definitely um, God, I'm stumping. Um, gosh, he was pretty big too. Oh, uh, oh man, he was he was drafted with the uh, Miami Heat. Uh, Vashon Leonard, sorry about that. Oh, Vashon, yeah, Leonard. he was huge. Yeah, yeah, obviously yeah, so a great kind of three dates me a little bit. Yeah, three sorry? point uh, three point contest champion. If I'm if I'm not mistaken, too, one year. So uh, yeah, great outstanding. Uh, yeah, yeah, definitely a solid player. Probably one of the the few Gophers that went on to some actual success. You know, in the NBA, most of those guys, uh, you know, kind of washed out, you know, whether it's Rick Rickert, you know, some of the bigger names you'd think of as far as Gophers would be concerned, maybe like a Vincent Greer. You know, there's definitely some big names that just didn't pan out uh, through the years. So it's kind of cool you got to be around uh, and kind of experience uh, some nice success while you were there. Did now, When you were there, did you guys ever go to – did you go to any of the, the NCAA tournament stuff? As a matter of fact, we were we were lucky enough to go to a couple places uh, during the uh, tournament. Um, first, we got to go out to Sacramento to watch them play there, and then the uh, biggest one was out in New York, and we were lucky enough to uh, uh, cheer in Madison Square Garden. So that was that was great. Yeah, that would be quite the experience. Uh, I would think that'd be a, a pretty big deal. Madison Square Garden is kind of the the biggest of, of big deals when it comes to kind of national arenas and kind of the history that you see with some of these places, uh, you know, whether it's the Knicks, whether it's any of the college teams. Uh, yeah, that was, that must've been pretty cool. What, uh, now when you, now you moved on from that, uh, when were you actually with the, the Timberwolves? The Timberwolves, I was with them. Oh, one, oh, two, two, through 2004, 2005. So a few years with them. Yeah. So now obviously you were there with uh, one of the last uh, successful seasons they've had. Yeah. With uh, Kevin Garnett and Cassell and uh, Spreewell. And that was a big, big year there. 
yeah, you definitely got to experience success. So what was the, what was it, what was the big difference, you know, back then, as opposed to now, as far as, uh, you know, specifically what you would know would be the cheer cheerleading. What do you know about like what made them transition to more like the dancing they do now or anything like that? You know, I think more or less, um, it would just be more or less, uh, for, for, for my, from my understanding, it was the viability of the reasons is that, you know, we did some crazy tricks, you know, with tossing the girls and holding them in the air and things like that. And, um, you know, the floor isn't the, the softest. So if any of the girls, you know, landed on the court or got hurt, you know, I think that might've been a kind of a big deal. Uh, but as far as like the presentation and performances, uh, I thought we were uh, a hit. I mean, we we really entertained the crowd and um, and did our and it was great. I mean, the atmosphere was awesome. It's just that I think that uh, it might have been a little riskier than what the organizations wanted. Yeah, and and obviously across the board, you really don't see NBA teams doing that anymore. You know, it kind of stops at the college level. Um, so it's not too surprising at this point, but, but I still remember back then, I mean, how much fun it was to watch, you know, a full cheerleading uh, routine as opposed to what they have now, which is the dancers. I mean, nothing against the dancers, obviously, you know, they get the, the crowd riled up probably more specifically the men, but uh, they do a good job. It's just, <laughs> it's just different in terms of excitement level, I think, but I get what you're saying. The liability thing probably plays a, a you know, a pretty key role now, I know one person uh, Wolves fans would definitely uh, be aware of that you actually cheered with would have been the would have been Natalie, the longtime uh, Wolves in arena host. Yes, uh, who now works where? WCCO? She's with, yeah, I think she's with WCCO now. Yeah. Yep, we, uh, she was on the dance team while I was on the, on the stunt team. Um, and, yeah, I've got to know her. Okay, I guess, and uh, yeah, like like you said, not taking away anything from the dancing. They were they're a good team. So let's let's get into some. I, I'm sure you got some some good stories. Um, what about like did you did you get to meet a lot of the players then when you were uh, part of the team? We did. We got to interact with them a bit uh, because our practices were held um, in the same place where they practiced back then with, when it was in. Uh, the target center. So we got to uh, interact with them uh, every so often. Uh, yeah, that was great. They're all uh, pretty approachable, pretty nice when we uh, interacted with them. Uh, so like, let's see, you were, you were there, you said, uh, like you said, Oh, three Oh four. Were there any, uh, any kind of players that stood out? Obviously, you know, when it comes to the public opinion, you know, there's some outspoken guys, you know, whether it be, uh, you know, Spreewell, Cassell, um, did you guys get to experience any of that firsthand? As far as anybody standing out, per se? Um, yeah, I mean, you know, I think that uh, Sam Cassell was probably one of the nicest guys that uh, we came across uh, when we were practicing and things like that. He would show up and watch us practice and, you know, applaud what we did and, um, you know, kind of explained or told us that uh, he could never do that, and you know, it boggles how they how we do some of that stuff. So, um, and he was actually there more often than anybody. Kevin Garnett came around and watched us a couple times, and 
kind of shook his head like, wow, that's just crazy, you know. So um, we had some uh, good interaction with them. So, but Casal was really one that kind of stood out as far as like uh, interested in coming to support us and, and watching us. Uh, so that was actually pretty cool. You know, uh, recently the Timberwolves, they held a, a special night for Flip Saunders. Uh, did you ever get to meet him while during your time with the Wolves? I know, you know, in my experience, pretty much everyone that works with the Timberwolves organization talks about just what a fantastic person he was and how he just kind of went out of his way to be just this amazing person, whether it was on the court as a coach, whether it was behind the scenes. Did you ever have any interactions with, with Flip? Yes. Um, he was a, a, a great guy, nicest guy you'd ever meet. Uh, when we were going through our practices and we were done or during breaks, we would go and uh, watch the Wolves practice. And, you know, usually, you know, the practices are pretty closed and tight and things like that. And uh, they don't want the distractions. But he noticed that we were kind of looking in and um, he would wave us over to come on in and, and, and watch, you know, and then introduce themselves to us and, um, just feel, made us feel like, you know, we we're kind of part of the organization, which was pretty awesome, I thought, just because, you know, he doesn't have to do that. I mean, we're part of the organization, but, you know, he's with Saunders and they're the, you know, they're the basketball team. They're, we're there for them. And, but he, uh, was so personable to allow us to come watch, you know, his practices firsthand, which was pretty cool. Yeah, definitely. I mean, that really matches up with every, everything else you hear kind of from anyone that's interacted with Flip Saunders. He just goes out of his way to really make you a part of that experience. So so you're one of my really good friends. I've heard this story before, and I have to have you tell it to the listeners. Uh, your your interaction with Chauncey Billups. <laughs> yeah, that was pretty fun. Um, so yeah, okay. So I'll tell the story, I guess. Uh, so we were at the... I don't know if it's an annual thing that they do, but it was a silent auction. And the guys, cheerleaders on the stunt team, we were uh, uh, managing the uh, half-court three-point contest area. And some of the guys were walking around, some of the players were walking around, meeting and greeting the people who were there. And while we're at the station, Chauncey Billups, Lauren Woods, and a couple other uh, players came up, and with a little swag, Chauncey comes up and asks us guys, who wants to take me on? And the guy chillers knew that I played a little basketball, I guess, and they nominated me. They're like, Mario. And so he's like, okay, let's go, Mario. And so we shot from the top of the key, turned the clock on, and, you know, had it all set up with the uh, the ball, the rack of balls there. And just like you would see at the all-star break. Well, I I put up 15 points, and he put up 12. And so, uh, you know, it was pretty cool that I beat him. You know, but that was the best part. It was, the best part was when he lost. All the other guys were uh, razzing him because, you know, they, they started saying, like, uh, oh, you just got beat by a cheerleader, dude. You know? <laughs> and so... Uh, <laughs> So he kind of put his head down and, you know, someone says rematch and he just shook his head and, you know, waved his hand at us and walked away, started laughing, you know, but that's my, uh, 
15 seconds of fame, I guess, you know, with being a part of the Wolves and, you know, beating someone like Chauncey because, uh, you know, he's pretty good back then, I thought. So it was fun. It was a great uh, memory for sure. Well, yeah, he was Mr. Big Shot, but but clearly on that night you were uh, the bigger shot. Uh, so that's that's a pretty cool thing to have happen. I mean, I think, you know, who hasn't sat in the stands and said, come on, I could, I could beat that guy, right? Now, now, granted, most people couldn't, but you've done it. So, obviously, kudos to you. Uh, you know, the one thing I'll touch on here is uh, for a number of years, me and you were season ticket holders with the Wolves, um, and, and I still am. But I thought of a, a pretty funny story. So, obviously, with your cheerleading, you know, you couldn't make it to all the games. And I, I still remember, this is one of my favorite memories, is uh, the night that Ricky Rubio tore his ACL. So, you had kind of found out last minute you couldn't make it. So you reached out to me and you said, hey, my brother Tim's going to go. And I was like, oh, awesome, you know, because I know Tim. And actually, he's uh, another cheerleading coach. I'll mention that here. And and so he shows up. And I just remember, you know, it's this huge ordeal. You're playing the Lakers. Uh, the Wolves are on this big run. And so there's all this buildup. You get to the game and they announce, you know, that it's going to be a, a whiteout game because they're going to hand out Timberwolves T-shirts. And and if you've ever been to a Wolves game when they, when they hand out T-shirts, they make a, a point to say you have to wear it. You know, they want everyone to have the same shirt on. It's, you know, it's a camaraderie thing. So, you know, we end up, you know, obviously Rubio goes down. He gets hurt. And I just remember after the game telling Tim, Tim, you're never allowed to come back to a game again. Never. <laughs> Can't do it. He was the jinx. <laughs> right? I mean, that's just what it is. Yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, we had some, do you have any, uh, as, a, as a season ticket holder or just over the years uh, going to games, do you, ever, do you have like a, a favorite game memory? You know, the uh, being there. I mean, we 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 were at the uh, well, we were ticket holders um, during the time where they weren't all that good. You know, I mean, they were they were they were still true. kind of very rebuilding, true. and then I think like the following year after my last year, the of having those tickets, I think we acquired Love, Kevin Love. Um, but as far as like just being at the games, I mean. It's it's pretty cool because we had great seats. We had what mid court, you know, um, very low rows on the upper deck. I mean, it was great, and um, but just the atmosphere was great. I mean, it was no matter how bad we were. I mean, they at least put on a show for part of the game, and um, you know, I think a lot of it depended on who we played, you know. So, but uh, as far as uh, the atmosphere, I mean, you love basketball, you can enjoy the the game period, you know, and so, um, I don't know, it's just, it's just, uh, a good atmosphere and with the great tickets we had, it was, it was pretty cool. One of the things that I always remember about our seats were we were just positioned. Now they don't use this anymore. Uh, they used to have that t-shirt cannon and we were positioned right in the, so we were upper level. We were sitting at, I think it was two thirty one, So we're dead center court, a few rows up. And we were positioned like at the exact spot where that gun would reach. So I must have like six or seven shirts that was sitting in my house that I caught because those seats were just so so prime for that. You know, the seats I sit in now, we're lucky if we even see a t-shirt, let alone get one close to us. So I will say that was definitely one of the perks uh, sitting in those uh, specific seats anyways. So it, it was definitely a good time. Yeah, that was actually pretty cool because you're, you're right. I mean, I think I got a couple actually as well because, um, yeah, he shot right at us, you know, and it only could go so far. And with a hand out to your right or left or up, you know, you're pretty lucky to 
to grab that. Yeah, no, it definitely makes a difference. So, well, yeah, uh, pretty fun. You know, yeah, definitely. It was a lot of fun. Um, so uh, I think we'll end on that note, Mario. I really appreciate you joining us uh, here on the Howl on uh, Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. Uh, so once again, uh, thanks for coming on. Uh, tell people again, uh, you know, what school you're with and, uh, and kind of give a shout out. <laughs> well, first, thanks for having me. It was pretty fun. Um, as a as a friend, and I appreciate you having on to me. I love telling that story with the Chauncey Billups. But um, I am with uh, Eastview High School, coach with my brother, uh, Eastview Competition Cheer Team. Um, so during the competition season, come to a competition, support us. I like it. I like it. All right, thanks again. Independent, not pretending, not dependent on your friendship or connection. I'm the only one I need. I used to think I really needed managers. I don't need no assistance. I'm persistent plus consistent. You're resistant, bro. You must be out your mind, ho. Seven years independent now. Where the f did the time go? Chasing cheesies, mice. They can't see me. Take off your blindfold. They act like they don't feel me, touch my texture, want my net worth, want a network. I don't need you, I'm an expert. Last week I met this girl outside of Supercuts. Said she went to my high school and she wants to make it at music stuff. She said, I want to do what you do, Spitz. I want to make my dreams come true. But I don't got a deal on the table from a label. I said, you don't need a label? Are you kidding me? All you need is you. All you need is you. Reliance. You should try it. A true survivor on some do or die. No handouts, no crucifying. Against all odds, like a rooster flying. I'm moving by and you fading back. Figured out my own way to rap. Record a verse, then play it back. Put it out, get paid a stack. Like every boss I've had, man, I couldn't help avoid. Like my mental health destroyed. This is why I'm self employed. There's a fine line between a proposition and a ploy. I don't plan on stopping till my opposition is destroyed. Man, I'm in the like semen, even in dreams I'm semen. I stay ten feet for a reason. Even friends be deceiving. Yo, my pen be prestigious, so that envy I don't need it. I got plenty of genius while you empty and depleted. Ah, uh, I don't need no one to tell me how to do my thing. Kid, I'ma stop rapping and I'll try to say. I don't need no one to tell me what the f to do. I'ma keep it true. So all you, all you, all you need is you. person your mom made to take a big leap little sleep work long days all you need is balls to go out and risk it all if you want the money tall want to blow like pompey other people put the line and relying not relying not complying right driving on a wrong way trying to get it in like a prom day trying to make my pockets go from concave to ari on a grande all you need is all you got i'm all i got got bigger plans my life
life is in my hands oh, Damn, I need some bigger hands It's out of me, this doubted train I think I can, I think I can My ink and pen made simple, man Feel jigger, man You think I can't, bro, think again Bring them in, gentlemen, simpletons, invalids You would risk it? Cash. I know you want to be it, but you probably didn't see it It was too far, your vision in the distance You might gotta lose your job You might gotta lose some friends You might gotta lose and then lose and then lose and then lose and then lose again to win I used to work with this rapper at the hardware store One of the best MCs I've ever heard This dude was raw Told me that his cousin knew an A&R at a label Who was gonna get him in a minute It's a damn that's cool Even if it falls through, you can still make do Because all you need is you That's my fetish, I don't ask so much I turn my lessons to a message through this rapping stuff I spent my mornings cooking breakfast while I'm mashing blood They used to call me boring till they saw my money adding up I won't ever need a radio while these people sit I be the youngest in my class, but you should let me teach you Oh, you wanna do what he do? Well, there's nothing stopping you Watch your steps, see how far I guess Where all I have was common sense <laughs> Yeah, I ain't really that big, so you might not know me yet. Might f around and get rich, right? Flows down with my pen. These nights I never skip through, I'ma make my dreams too. And everything I say always has a ring to These people playing to say they my friends. I swear they hold them from basics, see the face through my lens. You thought that I was complacent, and it's a stupid guessing. Even when it's raining, I ain't ever finished. All you need is you. Quarter two of the howl here on Dash Radio's Nothing But Net channel. You just heard amazing music from this week's featured artist, Spose, and tonight he joins me in the second quarter. For those of you that don't know Spose, you could say that he's physically the opposite of Randy Moss and only <laughs> about as sexy as John McCain, but most will call him the King of Maine. Spose, what's going on, man? Thanks for joining us. Hey, man. Thank you for that excellent, appropriate intro- introduction. <laughs> We're, uh, we were talking before uh, before going on here. We're both facing uh, the middle of snowstorms, so I'm glad uh, I'm glad you were able to uh, to join us tonight here. Um, let's let's get right into it here. For those that don't know, uh, first off, you can find Spose on Twitter uh, at Spizzy Spose. Uh, yep. And if I read correctly, you are the founder of Preposterously Dank Entertainment. Is that correct? Yeah, yeah, I run a, a record label that's me and then a bunch of other local main rap artists that you had no idea there were that many rap artists from me. <laughs> uh, and uh, you yourself, you've been you've been busy. I think I saw your first album that you officially released uh, on uh, your record label was back in like 08, I believe. And you've done six albums and then uh, four mixtapes as well since then, right? Yeah, yeah, man, I... I've never really found a time in the past 10 years where I was like, oh, today, I'll take today off. You know, I uh, I, um, I put out my first album 10 years ago last week. So ever since then, 
I was still waiting tables at that time, but around the, you know, about a year later, I signed a record deal with Republic Records, which is like, uh, you know, Nicki Minaj and Taylor Swift and you name it. And um, from since then, I have never, uh, I've never worked another job. So I've just been grinding, putting out albums. Just put out two lat two albums and an EP and an app last year, um, and looking to do it again this year. Heck yeah! And now. The the we'll get to your most recent album, Humans, here in, in just a minute. But let me let let's take it back even before 2008 with the first record album. How did you? Sure. I mean, growing up in Maine, like you like you said, there's not a lot of people that are are coming out as as rappers in Maine to begin with. How did how did you get into it and and kind of find your your niche and and flourish? Yeah, um, I mean. I grew up in Southern, I'm 32, so when I grew up in Maine, you know, in the late 90s, early 2000s, um, I was the kid who was recording everybody on his computer, you know, so like I'd be making, I, whether I was making beats or I had a, we had a rock band I was in and I was trying to record our rock band into my computer and like, so I was always just obsessed with, with music and recording music and um, so I basically was in a band, I was in this band called Fight Shirt. You know, we paid, we played two shows, and I got kicked out of the band because I was too bossy. So I started <laughs> rapping. So naturally, I started rapping on my solo project, and um, you know, and it became something I did for fun. I think like all people who are rapping, I started off emulating the rappers of the time who I looked up. You know, the the M and M's or the Jay Z's or whatever. I was trying to em emulate what I heard, um, and it wasn't until maybe 2004, 2005 when I kind of a friend of mine, Cam Groves, I, I saw him rapping, you know, we're, I don't know why there's so many rappers in Maine. And uh, I saw him rapping about his life. And that was when it really clicked for me that, oh, I could, I can just be me, you know, and that really was a big turning point for me was taking the style of the rappers I grew up listening to and applying and, and that I wasn't trying to round down to Boston. You know, it was like, I'm from Wells, Maine, and I'm going to talk about it. And maybe my story resonates with some kid in X town, northern Minnesota, you know, because there's similarities. Of, uh, you know, it's a it's a it's an example of any small town. So give us a little background on where you grew up in Maine. So obviously, the, you know, Maine isn't a huge state by any stretch, but it's not, you know, the middle of nowhere either either. So, I mean, it's a, it's an East Coast city. So, I mean, Portland, I guess, is the, the biggest city in Maine, if you will. Um, I mean, is is where you grew up kind of just like a suburb? Or were you more out in the country? Yeah, no, that's a great question. So I grew up in Wells, Maine, which is basically on the coast of Maine. Um, Maine, Maine on, the, on the ocean is very beautiful all the way up the coast to New Brunswick, Canada, right? Like there's not like a a crevice of the coast of Maine that isn't settled. You know, we're all, there's all beaches and rocky coasts and hotels and lobster shacks and whatever. And so I grew up in Wells, which is about 20 minutes from the New Hampshire border. So very close to New Hampshire. And you can get to Boston in an hour and 10 minutes. And I'm about half an hour from Portland. So although I live, you know, in a small town, there's maybe 10,000 people in our town. Um, I was very close to civilization. You know, I was very close to Boston, very close to you know, we're about five hours from New York, you know, and half an hour from the nearest city, which is Portland. Um, and so, and in, in the summer, my town is a tourist town. You know, it's where everybody comes from, uh, New York State and Connecticut and uh, Quebec, you know, you name it, comes to our town and the population quadruples. <laughs> um, 
in the summer. And in the winter, it is not desirable. You know, there's very little. Although right now is a lot of people coming to check out our waves because we just had this crazy storm. And it, like, the waves are like, it look, I went, it looks like friggin' some not a Lord of the Rings or Harry Potter or something when you look at the ocean the last few days. But, but, um, no, it's, it's, uh, I grew up in Wells, Maine. So, uh, the, kind of the middle of nowhere, but also close to everything, like you said. Okay. So, um, now have, have you basically, have you spent your whole life in Maine or, I mean, have you spent time living outside of the state there? Yeah, so I went to college in Boston. Um, I went to the University of New Hampshire for a year. I transferred. I went to Suffolk University in Boston. And, um, you know, I enjoyed it. And I lived, um, you know, I lived in suburbs of Boston. And uh, my parents were divorced when I was young. And my mom was always traveling around. So I lived in Springfield, Massachusetts for a year and in like a trailer park. <laughs> and uh, eventually ended up back in Maine. And one of the big things about Maine for me, even when I signed a record deal and I was out in L.A., it was like, I could not wait to get back to Maine because when you see, like, say you're, you leave your house and you start, or you leave wherever you are and you start walking, and if you're in Boston or you're in L.A., nobody cares about you at all, and they do not, you know, remark, they just ignore, like, it's like you don't exist, like you're a, whatever, you're a plant. And in Maine, if you, if you walk by somebody, you say, hey, man, how's it going? You know, have a good day. And it was just a big, a big like, difference for me, and I, I always appreciate the neighborliness of Maine um and it just you don't i just don't feel like uh nobody here you know yeah no it's it's that minnesota nice but it's more like that main nice you know what i mean well it's exactly the same thing when you're up in up in that area minnesota wisconsin you know that type of vibe i i, I think there's something similar to it so growing up in maine going to, to college on the east coast uh not just in rap in general but musically who were your your influences that that got you into music and and made you want to do it as a as a full time career? Yeah, I mean my my biggest influences, and I, I I'll say I mean this was music from the time I was nine or eight or nine, you know, signing up for like the BMG CD club. Music was like my my main, <laughs> you know what I'm saying, where you get like the twelve yep. CDs for like um, you know, uh, my biggest influences musically were always um, the Smashing Pumpkins was my favorite band. Um, I really loved, uh, Radiohead. I really loved, uh, Weezer, but then I also really loved, uh, Eminem, uh, Jay-Z, the Beastie Boys, Notorious B.I.G., you know, even just, even just, uh, you grew up in the nineties watching MTV where they actually played music videos and you did not, you could not grow up in the middle of nowhere and not know rap music. You know what I'm saying? Like even in Minnesota, even in Minnesota, it, you know, the most remote part of Minnesota or Maine, you're going to know rap music and rock music equal parts so um that's kind of what i grew up on and i was big into the pumpkins i was big into underground rap kind of like early 2000s big into um dilated peoples and atmosphere and jurassic five you know and then i kind of going back got really into you know the beatles and david bowie and prince and you know all that shout out to, shout out to actually i think i guess i just named two minneapolis artists but um yeah, I mean, as, as uh, oh, I just love music, you know. Yeah, you're you're more rooted in Minnesota than you think, there, man. I, I I'm yeah, telling I you, you guys have a spring here. Yeah, I've been, I've played, I played one time a venue called Hell's Kitchen way back on a like a tour I did years ago. But I remember a bunch of fans had come down from Canada to come see me in Minneapolis. So I got love for Minneapolis, man. Well, yeah, you'll have to come back your uh, your next tour that you do. 
and uh there's there's you know like like we were saying come back here in the spring or summer when it's actually like halfway decent they have skyways downtown but it's still you're you're better off walking outside in the spring or summer yeah um, i would i'd rather be there then yeah everybody would i mean it's it's like 12 degrees right now and snowing sideways and everybody here is miserable so just just wait until like june when the snow percentage is like a one percent chance of snow and uh okay, and you'll be, you'll be happy um let's get into the album that you have most recently released which was back in october it's called humans and now this was a a really interesting project from the outside looking in you basically you, you made a eight to ten song album from start to finish write record produce everything and you did it in 24 hours yeah yeah i um about a year ago now i had come up with the idea um and other people have done similar things but i i um i wanted to challenge myself to do something different and also to you know to see if it was possible um and I, so i set a goal that i booked out this i booked out this beautiful studio in in rural maine much more rural than where i am um called the halo and it's this this gorgeous kind of wooden studio that i've recorded at for years and i booked it out all the different because there's like two or three studios in there i booked them all out and i basically emailed every every dope you know saxophone player beat maker singer rapper i knew and i was like i want to make a spose album in one day you know but i but i want us all to come in here and cook up the songs from scratch so the rule was you can't have anything written in advance there can't be any pre-made beats everything has to be made starting at 10 a.m it was october 6th and um by 6 a.m on october 7th we had a 10 song album done humans Man, that's that's crazy so i mean what what made you want to to do this kind of thing i mean you know most most uh um musicians in general not even not even rappers but most musicians when they're making an album i mean months even sometimes years goes into you know the writing process you know and then recording and getting the right sound and and you know cutting the tracks and and getting everything you know sent out why why 24 hours what 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 was the idea behind it well i think you know i'm getting i was getting to be getting about nine years that i've been doing this professionally at that point and I, I was basically thinking like man i'm capable you know is what i was saying i was i i just have a lot of a lot of it is just self-belief and and belief in myself and 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 also a lot of faith in the musicians it's like if you're going to open a restaurant tomorrow you want employees you know you can trust you know maybe some people you met before maybe you know people you you know people you can rely on and who you and, and who you can maybe have work to their strengths and so that was like my big thing is in addition to being a rapper i've always been decent at managing groups of people you know dating back to i don't know high school you know and so i figured if i could get all these people who i've already worked with and i already trust into a room and we all have the goal of this is a spose album and I kind of get final say on everything. And I also kind of get to plant the seed of every song. Um, you know, I really thought I could pull it off. And sure enough, I mean, we did with Time to Spare. Um, but the thing that really surprised me was that the album didn't suck. Because I was like, <laughs> we, I was like we could make 10 songs in a day, sure. But, who, but the real goal was that they had to stand up against the rest of my catalog. Which I, you know, which I, like you said, spend months and years you know honing these songs rewriting these verses and so there is a little bit of like man i wish i had another day on that or that but when we handed 
you know, when I listened to that album two days later when we went to mix it, I was like, we did it, man. I really felt like this album could hang in my catalog. And, and I mean, I'll, go, I'll, I'll put it right up there with any, anybody's album last year. I think, especially since we made it in a day, I mean, there's a, tons of live instrumentation on it. We built these songs from scratch. The song Humans, the title track, is one of my favorite things I ever did. You know, so I'm real proud of that album, even besides the fact that it, we did it in a day. So, I mean, it's, it's safe to say that you, were, that you were satisfied with the final outcome. Yeah, absolutely, man. I think a lot of people were pleasantly surprised, too, because I announced it the day before. I'm, I'm big on, like, don't talk about something till it's, like, monetized, basically, is, like, my business, <laughs> like, idea. But, like, I said to people, I was like, hey, I'm going to the studio tomorrow. I'm going to try and make a whole album in one day. Give me some ideas, you know, asking Facebook, you know, and Twitter what, what they have for ideas. And um, I released the album the following Friday, and I think a lot of people went to listen to it expecting like all right this probably isn't going to be as good as the rest of his stuff or you know it might suck or like whatever and a lot of people were like man this is good they were like you know so it was a nice pleasant surprise i'm I'm very pleased with it that's it's, it's still absolutely crazy to think of i mean i have i have trouble just even reading a couple pages on a book or or you know something like that in 24 hours and all the all the steps that you went into with that it's it's an absolutely incredible album uh just real quick, if people want to find this album, where where can they find it? Yeah, um, you can find all my stuff if you go to sposemusic.com, S-P-O-S-E, music.com. Or if you got Spotify, if you got an iPhone, just, just you know, ask Siri to play the Spose album, Humans. Um, Spotify, Tidal, Apple Music. Um, you can probably find all the songs on YouTube, wherever, man. I'm, I'm, I'm big on having it accessible as many places as possible. Beautiful. Let's let's get into the other side, the technology side, I suppose. You have <laughs> an app. It's called the King of Maine. Correct. And it is a it's a game and it's actually got a full album. Uh, Good luck with your life locked inside the game. Uh, you can find it in the Apple Store and on Google Play. How did you come up with this idea to like lock an album inside of a of a a game and make it you know make it this this fun process to unlock your music um well i think the idea really came from trying to how do you stand out is the big question in 2018 you're really inundated with there's almost like too much content you know is the problem is like there's too there's too many good artists there's too many podcasts there's too many videos there's too many you know check this out your friends recommend there's too many things they've shared so how do you stand out as an artist you know and me i'm not beyonce i'm not you know you name it um macklemore or whatever i don't have this gigantic uh fan base so what what can i do to stand out and my idea was what if i made some sort of game where you play a level and then when you beat the level you get a you get a song you know you get a song and maybe a song that's not out yet or you can't get it anywhere else because um that that gets the most traction so as the idea evolved i decided i was going to make a game that was all 16 counties of maine and you fight through you know you fight as me fighting you end up fighting the governor you know and you unlock the the album and i hired these three kids um who are just geniuses um and they're 18 19 year old college kids who helped me make you know make this app from scratch and um you know an artist a local main artist and you can go look it up now man go play i mean even if you don't like even if you don't like rap music the game is su- is super fun and um you know just really proud of it yeah i took a quick look it looks like you're uh, you're tossing boots at people to to get rid of them to to progress through the game <laughs> and that's yeah, that's a tossing, pretty dope idea 
Thank you, man. Yeah, we're tossing LL Bean boots at everybody. Um, <laughs> and uh, although technically they're not LL Bean boots, they're uh, they're just boots. They're just <laughs> right? boots. Yeah, you can't you can't get so the don't sue me, LL Bean. But um, but yeah, man. I mean, the idea came from just trying to stand out and trying to do something different. And you know, going back to my my pension for managing people and following ideas through to completion. Um, you know, that's really where I got the idea for the app. But the um, the big thing was just how can I make how can I make you care about my album? You know, is the big is the question I think every artist is posed with. So now, did you release this right around the same time? Good luck with your life released. Is it? Was it something? Yeah, I released it this... actually a month. I released it a month before the album came out. Okay, so if you wanted it early, you had to play the game to uh, to get early access to it. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. It was bait. Um, so, and uh, oh, really, really sparked a few like really nice of my favorite compliments I've ever got about my pension for marketing because I'm always looking for props for my fragile ego. <laughs> so let's. Uh, Let's break down here the Spose podcast too. Give us give us a little bit on the Spose podcast. I knew you were just recording that before uh, yeah, before actually, you stepped on with me. I actually finished it about thirty seconds before I called you this week's episode. But but yeah, man. I mean, I started up. I've I've wanted to do a podcast for years, and finally, I just decided to jump in, um, jump in the pool, so to speak. And I uh, I think one of the big things is I find social media is a in is an inaccurate representation of our personalities. Like, it's almost like the most, like, what do you go on Twitter when you're angry? You know, it's like you're on Facebook when you're looking for, like, compliments and likes and, you know, and Instagram, you know, you're trying to get likes for your pictures. And I really wanted a, a place where I could just be myself and, and not really be myself in the context of looking for validation, you know. And, and the podcast, I've been really excited to just sit down and interview people. You know, it's not even about me. It's about interviewing entrepreneurs and business owners and um and rap and musicians and, and friends of mine and, and um you know and eventually Kanye West and Jay Z, you know. <laughs> and uh and uh but yeah, I mean the Spose podcast you can check it out anywhere you get a you know podcast if you have an iPhone the podcast app or the Stitcher app. But um just trying to branch out and diversify what I do and kind of show my personality in a way that's not angry tweets. Yeah, and and following you on Twitter, uh, albeit for the short period that I've been following you on Twitter, uh, I saw a lot of uh, angry Celtics tweets uh, mixed in oh, with man. a healthy dose of happy Celtics tweets. So you, you get the sense that, you know, that, that sums me up pretty good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I definitely do a lot of Celtics tweeting. It's and it's so up and down with you too. I mean, like looking at your timeline, especially when the Celtics are playing you kind of bounce back and forth between angry Celtics tweets and happy Celtics tweets. And it's, it's kind of nice to see, cause being a, a Minnesota fan, we've been just so crushed over the years with, you know, whether it's the Vikings or the wolves or the wild or whoever, it's nice to know that somewhere else, somebody is going through the exact same thing as us. Yeah. I mean, I, I'm not like, I, I always, people i was like i'm not going to give you an objective perspective on the celtics like if you want that go you know go talk to whatever sports reporter or whatever My, i'm giving like i'm 100 a celtics homer and like you know <laughs> i thought i thought we were gonna i put money i literally went and bet a hundred dollars that we were gonna win the title like 2013 you know like I, like when we it was like brad stevens first year you know like i just believe <laughs> 
So, um, yeah, so this year has been really wild as a Celtics fan just because, you know, from the Gordon Hayward injury on the first play, I just, you know, the first play of the first game of the year all the way up to where we are now where it's like, why are the Celtics trash? Oh, the Celtics are good again. Okay, what do we do? You know, so <laughs> I've I've been all over the spectrum. Well, now, as, as, we, as it sits while we record here, the Celtics sit second in the East, an eight-game lead on Cleveland and just two games back at Toronto for the number one seed. And they, like, everything aside, like, I think a lot of people thought when Gordon Hayward went down, like, that was just a, a more or less a death wish for the season. Um, I mean, Danny Ainge has done a lot through trades, through the draft, through free agency. I mean, what are, let, let's, let's start with trades. I mean, obviously the biggest one is getting Kyrie. That's been absolutely huge for the Celtics team. Is that not the biggest trade in the history of the – it's got to be like the biggest trade in the history of the Celtics besides the trade where we traded KG and Paul Pierce for the picks and um, uh, Chris Humphreys. Um, but, uh, <laughs> the, uh, but it's just incredible that, that he – you know, Danny – it was uh, – you know, everybody knew. It was always the story of every draft night is what, was the, what are the Celtics going to do with their, with their picks dating back to like the Andrew Wiggins year, you know, it was like, what are the Celtics going to do? What are the Celtics going to do? And um, uh, that he was able to sit on shit and stuff, sorry, until um, <laughs> he's able to sit on these, all these assets and, you know, grow Isaiah Thomas from, we, we, the Celtics, Danny Ainge acquired Isaiah Thomas for a draft pick and not even like a high draft pick. And um, it was a first round pick, but I don't think the player ended up, Maybe they got Marquise Chris, the Suns, um, but we got uh, Isaiah Thomas for him and Marcus Thornton, and it's like what an incredible thing that he's able to then grow that and flip that into Kyrie, you know. So, yeah, like you're saying, I mean, I think all of us were like, well, there goes the season when Gordon Hayward went down, but then, you know, as a Celtics homer I am, I should have known – that Terry Rozier is a superstar, you know, and Jalen Brown's going to be a superstar and Jason Tatum's going to be a superstar in in my eyes. And so um, it's really been incredible watching this team. And we don't do well as like the, the like favorite. We're much more, the the underdog thing much suits us much better. You know, I like to think that in New England, I don't know if outside of New England, people think of us as the underdogs anymore because of the Patriots, but you know, definitely in the Reds. Well, we've had a really nice decade. But um, <laughs> the, uh, but I, you know, I think it suits the Celtics more. This like even to this day, they. I bet if you ask everybody, you know, in the, you know, who watches basketball, they're still gonna say that Cleveland's gonna sweep us in the play. They're still gonna say, you know, we don't stand a chance against Toronto. They're they're gonna say that, you know, the the Sixers are gonna sweep. You know, so um, we're fine with that underdog mentality as like Celtics fans. But um, man, it's been wild to watch this team this year. It's been awesome. Yeah, I mean, even, you know, looking at their their draft picks here over even the last three years, a small sample size, but I mean, guys, or four years, I mean, you got guys like Marcus Smart, Marcus Thornton, Terry Rozier, uh, Gershon Yabusele, Jalen Brown, Semi Ojelier, Jason Tatum. I mean, that's like, it's it's not just about, you know, the quantity, it's the quality. Because if you look at picks from 2014, I mean, we're talking – 15 picks maybe right around there and you've got four or five guys from that list that are still contributing and contributing at a high level 
on the Celtics organization. So Danny Ainge has been able to draft really, really well. Yeah, and and uh, amid criticism, and everybody else would advise would have advised to do different things. Like everybody said to draft Markel Fultz. Everybody told us to draft Chris Dunn, who's actually turned. You know, I think you guys ended up. Did you guys end up drafting him or the? Bucks? Yeah, we we drafted him and then we traded him away, and now he's playing halfway decent. Yeah, he looks good now. <laughs> but um, go but, figure. Yeah, I mean, Danny Age has just been a genius. I don't I don't even know what to say about him except that I bow down and in Danny we trust. You know, I really feel like this team, although there's a lot of up and coming NBA teams, I really feel like the Celtics are equipped to compete for the titles till 2025, you know? And when you, when you look at the balance in the NBA, the West is one of those is that, is that conference that's, that's incredibly deep, but looking at the East, I mean, you have three, four five teams that are going to battle it out for years to come. You know, the Cavs, you guys, the Sixers are on the rise. Toronto's not going anywhere. Um, I mean, it's the East is going to. I mean, it's it's in that rebuild process where it's starting to get a lot more competitive, and so getting getting guys like Jason Tatum, and then finding those guys in the later rounds like Ogelier and and uh, you know, I mean, even even finding Marcus Thornton with the forty fifth pick, and you, when you got Isaiah Thomas, he was Mister Irrelevant. I mean, you're 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 finding these these late picks that that are contributing just as much as your high picks. Yeah. I mean, Terry Rozier is maybe one of the, one of the, I mean, we also drafted Jared Sullinger in there and, you know, a bunch of other players who didn't really pan out as well. Actually, um, oh, who was I just going to say? Uh, I forget the kids. He's playing for the Pelicans now, but he's balling out. Uh, and we drafted him. Uh, I can't remember his name, but um, yeah, I mean, Terry Rozier with the 16th pick, I mean, I saw him play a little bit at Louisville, but like he's Terry Rozier is going to be a starting point guard for somebody because the Celtics aren't going to be able to afford him, you know, when his contract's up. So it's like just been an incredible – what a wild team. Um, although when I look at – you know, I'm looking over the Timberwolves roster right now, it's like a lot of those players I'm looking at is like I'd love to – I would you know, I'd love to have Andrew Wiggins. I'd love to have Jimmy Butler, Carl Anthony Towns, but like uh, I kind of do love the underdog uh, 16th pick squad, you know? Yeah, the the Wolves have, uh, you know, when, when you when you dwell in the basement as long as the Wolves have, the the 16th pick doesn't usually come along often to the yeah. uh, to to those kind of teams. So I mean, the Wolves have have definitely gotten it right throughout the draft period, and and it looks like the Celtics have been doing the same thing. I mean, you look at the last two years in Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. You look at the guys who were drafted you know, after him that they could have potentially taken. I mean, you know, Josh Jackson was taken right after Tatum. I like Tatum more. Uh, De'Aaron Fox is doing well, but I mean, you know, Natila Kina, um, I mean, nobody else really down this list after. The, the jazz kid is the only one. Yeah. I mean, Donovan, nobody, but I mean, nobody really knew Donovan Mitchell was going to be this scary good. Um, yeah, and maybe maybe Markinen, which the Wolves took and traded to the Bulls to get Jimmy Butler, but I mean nobody nobody knew what Donovan Mitchell was going to really be. So Jason Tatum is is the smart pick, and you know the the Sixers or the Lakers could have taken him, and and who knows what you guys would have been able to do. But you, you got Jason Tatum; he kind of fell into your lap, and it, you know it's a happy accident. Yeah, I'm. Well, I mean, he, he intentionally went out and traded the pick. So it's like he was, aiming, he was scheming on Jason Tatum, which is amazing because 
everybody in the ESPN universe was saying Mark Hillfolds is the best, you know, and he, Danny was like, well, no, I mean, I think I'd rather have Jason Tatum and another pick. Um, but I mean, it's a really, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see how we do this rest of the season. Cause we really had a, the Celtics had like a rough patch before the all-star break. And ever since, I mean, even the Rockets lost the other night, our bench scored 67 points or something. It was like, if this team could be, you know, one through what, 14 or whatever, uh, all, you know, fighting scrappy players, you know, all the way up to Kyrie, all the way down to Daniel Tice, then uh, I think we, I think we stand a chance against anybody. You know, I think I'd, I'd love to see us run up against the Warriors in the finals. Cause I think we could take them more than we could take the Rockets, you know, just from the, the, the size standpoint, we're just bigger, you know? So speaking of size uh, before the 2018 calendar year, uh, a certain player was bought out of uh, Phoenix that you guys picked up. He goes by the name Greg Monroe. Uh, what are your thoughts on his time in Boston so far? So if you were to ask me this before the Houston Rockets game, I would say he needs more time to acclimate. <laughs> but uh, I don't know, because Greg, Greg Monroe was in Detroit, right? He was playing with um, Drummond. They were both in Detroit. Yeah, he was there, and then he went to Milwaukee. Um, and I remember that, him being dope. I remember him. Po- I remember him dominating us. Yeah. You know, a bunch of times where he played Detroit. So I didn't understand. Sometimes I'm I'm a little slow on the which players have deteriorated and which haven't. That's why when I see Eric Gordon, I'm like, man, Eric Gordon's dope. But people are like, nah, he's he's over. But it's like he comes <laughs> out, he's dropping 29 on the Celtics or whatever. But um, uh, what was I gonna say the um, I just I just think uh. Greg Monroe looked beautiful in that uh, in that Houston Rockets game. It looked like he was not afraid, and he was finally figuring out our offense and and playing decent defense. Man, I I think the Celtics have been we haven't had a legit big since Shaq played for us. You know, yeah, it's like way nice, back in the day. Yeah, since Shaq, Shaq can't, if, and I still stand by this. If Shaq had stayed healthy, we win the title again. You know, it was like we were so close, and then Shaq played. I don't know. 10 games for us that year um the big shamrock but um (laughs) we uh we need a big you know we need a big like monroe and i love the i love the other shooting bigs we have um you know daniel tice and um uh aaron baines you know shooting the uh the 15 footers and and stuff I, i i like our team man young scrappy tough tall long so are you are you telling me that brian scalbreen wasn't uh wasn't the best big man that you've seen in years? Um, White Mamba, not the best big man I've seen in years. Incorrect. Also not the best uh, color commentary announcer I've seen either. <laughs> yeah, that's right. He's doing uh, he's doing uh, yeah, he does. TV, right? Yeah, it's, uh, NBC, it's like NBC Sports New England or whatever, but it's Mike Gorman, who's our legendary like play-by-play dude. And then uh, it used to be Tommy Heinsohn, who was a you know, player and a coach, Hall of Famer. And, and he, Tommy Heinsohn's like the all-time – biggest Celtics homer of all time. So he'd be like, ah, oh, ref, come on, you know, all the whole broadcast. And Scalabrini's a little less Celtics homery, but, um, you know, he's still, it's still kind of, I'm still getting used to it. You got to, you got to get that happy mix. That's, it's good to, good to have. Uh, speaking of him, did you see, there was like a, a YouTube video from a couple years ago where he showed up to like a one-on-one tournament and said, if anybody could beat him, he'd pay him like $10,000. And 
he just started owning up on kids like it was nobody's business. Like, I don't think, like, there were three games where nobody scored a point on them. Yeah, it's just dudes think they can, like, players think they can compete against NBA dudes. You can't even beat a retired NBA dude. You're not going to score a point on him. Come on. Yeah, even even if it's, like, the worst player in the NBA, he's still in the NBA. Calabrini, uh, I, I, he may have been the worst player in the NBA. I don't know. I might just be thinking that because he looks ridiculous, but who knows? Yeah, there's there's a few Timberwolves. He's got a ring. He's got a ring. He's got that championship ring, though. So. <laughs> Somehow he does. Uh, so the Wolves last played the Celtics January 5th, a close game. Wolves lost by seven. Uh, that was in Boston. Uh, coming back here on Thursday, the, the Celtics are visiting the, the tundra that is Minnesota. Uh what can the Wolves expect from this this Celtics team? I mean, we're we're about we're two months since the last meeting. A lot has changed. The Wolves don't have Jimmy Butler, but what can the Wolves expect from this current Boston Celtics team? So it looks like Kyrie is out. I don't know if he's out for the game against the Wolves, but he's out. Um, he's out against the Bulls, and so we'll see how he if he's back against the Wolves. We also do not have this other player called Gordon Hayward. Um, so I would expect a Wolves victory. However, this team has a way, the Celtics team has a way of like next man up mentality where, you know, Kyrie went down for four or five games and Terry Rozier comes out and scores 30. Then he scores a triple double. And now we have Marcus Smart back who Marcus Smart is maybe the, you know, the player who makes me jump up off the couch and like flex at the TV the most and also jump up at the jump up off the couch and sob in my own hands the most because he's just so good and so bad at the same time um, that uh, we'll see how he does against you guys. I mean, I really can't call it with this team, dude. I can't, it's like, who knows what we're going to get. I mean, I feel like I know what I'm going to get out of the wolves. Um, obviously Butler's out, um, but you guys got some vets, some real reliable vets, Jamal Crawford, Aaron Brooks, Todd Gibson, and then you know, obviously the Jeff T. Carl Anthony Towns, Andrew Wiggins. It's like, come on, man! Like you guys should get the W there. We we should, but the Wolves have this this thing: a we can't beat any team in the East; b we can't mm-hmm. beat any team in the East at home. So you know, it's 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 going to be one of those games. It's it's always good um, to see these Eastern Conference power teams. Um, you know, the, the big guys. I mean, we blew out the Celtics by or the, the Cavaliers, sorry, by like 30-something points a few months ago. And yet we lose to, uh, you know, to the to the Pistons and we lose to the Pacers. And there's there's nothing that is normal with this Minnesota Timberwolves team. And I think that's what we've all come to expect here on this side of town. Yeah, I mean, I, and the Celtics have similar pride. It's like we can beat the, we can beat the Golden State Warriors at home, at, at, their, at their place, but we can't, we can't beat the Knicks. You know, it's like, uh, yep. it, it's just, who knows where you roll the dice. But I think as as the season progresses, and this was the same case last year um, when we had Isaiah, Celtics had Isaiah Thomas, Al Horford, um, Avery Bradley, Jay Crowder. Um, it re- as the season progressed, even in the series against Cleveland where we're getting dominated, we're just a better team every game because the, the players are more acclimated with each other. And I would imagine it's got to be the same with um the wolves but since losing butler it's like a big piece of the the chemistry is gone you know so um or i can't i can't call it on jimmy butler is he helpful or does he hurt 
or does he hurt the team? I don't know. It's like he's a great player, but is he like kept too many like emotions? Like I don't know what's going on. No, the the big thing with Jimmy, like it took him maybe fifteen games to kind of find his spot, and those those first fifteen games of the season were so up and down for the team. But once he realized that you know the team kind of fed through Cat and Wiggins, but there was no set leader, he took over that leadership role, and the the team is the team has flourished since that point. I mean, we're we're looking at one of the best records in in team history at this point in the season. Um, you know, we're, we're, I think when, when he's out, the wolves are hurt more. Jimmy does a good job at kind of orchestrating everything and the ball needs to be fed through Carl Anthony towns and Wiggins and the bench guys need to step up. Jamal Crawford is six man of the year as always. He, he really should be forever. Um, and, and Jimmy's Jimmy's, uh, chemistry with Taj his chemistry with Jamal Crawford. Um, and now is his chemistry with Cat and and growing with Wiggins. Um, I mean, if we can keep Jimmy around and keep keep these guys, it's it's going to be something really special. It's just you know I've been preaching for the longest time on the show that we just have to be patient with it and potentially get rid of Jeff T. But we have to be patient with it. <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, I think I agree. I'm you, if you can hang on to Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns and Jimmy Butler, it's like the team is just you know a year or two away from i mean i think dude when we get to these western conference playoffs this year it's gonna be real interesting to see what happens because do the warriors steamroll to the title or are or is houston closer is you know are these other teams a little closer are the pelicans ready to ball you know even without demarcus Cousins? so it's like gonna be i'm stoked for the playoffs man and the celtics are, are gonna dominate everyone so just get ready anthony davis is tearing it up on his own like he's super sad play. that Boogie's gone, but he's still putting up like forty a night. It's it's crazy. I mean, if you if you look at the Western Conference right now, the difference between the three seed Portland Trailblazers and the ten seed Utah Jazz are four wins. Wow, that's insane. Because the difference between the Celtics and the Cavs is what you said, eight games. Yeah, eight games right now. That's crazy. Yeah, man, that's wild. I, I um. I can't wait for these playoffs, man. I feel like it's going to be awesome. Is Jimmy out for the season, or you guys might get Butler back So later? The, the, the talk is that he should be back in time for the playoffs. Uh, that's that's the big okay. thing right now. So if he can come back, the Wolves can can kind of just tread water until he comes back. That's That's going to be the thing. I mean, a lot of people are saying now that without Jimmy, a home playoff series is probably not going to happen. Uh, but at this point, I think a lot of Wolves fans want to see progress and end the playoff drought. And so, I mean, if we go into it as, as a five or six seed, I think that'll give us the best opportunity to win some games, uh, play a team like the Blazers or the Pelicans or the Spurs or the Thunder and, uh, and, and maybe win a series and, and go play one of the top teams. Yeah, man. I, and I think there's something to be said for just getting your team in the play. You got to get in the playoffs and you got to get beat so that you know so that you have the experience because I feel yep. like that's what really is one of the Celtics main advantages headed into these playoffs, especially if we had Hayward who's gotten in, who's limped into the playoffs the last few years. But I mean, Kyrie's been all the way to the end. Jalen Brown's got experience. Terry Rozier has been in there two years in a row. You know, we have a roster all the way down, you know, barring our rookies who it's like, we got some experience. I really think we got some veterans who can help us contend and you guys will as well. You know, and Jimmy Butler's obviously been there. Taj Gibson's been there. 
Aaron Brooks has been there. Crawford's been there. So interesting times, man. I love the NBA this season. Yeah, man. We got, I think it's what, like 16 games. The Wolves have 16 games left in the regular season. It's it's crazy to believe that we're already at this point where the playoffs are, are you know, they're coming up. They're coming up quick. Um, the, the Wolves Luckily, are the NBA playoffs last for four months. So they do. Cool. And, and with, with our luck, every series is going to go like six or seven games and yeah. uh, draw itself out until June. But th- I mean, that's, that's how it always goes with, with the playoffs, but that's, that's great basketball. That's what the league needs. Agreed. Uh, so let's, let's get into some general NBA stuff. The first thing we kind of touched on a little bit with Gordon Hayward, man, there have been a lot of injuries this year. Like we said, Jimmy Butler, Gordon Hayward, uh, DeMarcus Cousins. Uh, I mean, it kind of started with mid-tier Jeremy Lin injury to begin the season and Gordon Hayward's injury. But we're seeing a lot more injuries this year than in previous years. Do you think that's in accordance with this new kind of scheduling that they've, that they've implemented? Or what do you think is the cause behind it this year? I mean, it was in the NFL, too. It was like, I don't know. Are we just like I – really, I really don't know because you got to figure that conditioning and, like, training and medicine and everything is like way more advanced than it than it was 10 years ago just knowing how to treat players and how to recover from games so man I can't call it I don't think it has to do with the schedule because it's like they were you know it's not that different than it has been in previous years um but man it's just I don't know man it it really it makes me hurt for these these dudes because this is like their whole livelihood watching Gordon Hayward's one you know up close has been wild you know just watching his recovery and you know his wife's instagram posts and like whatever you know anything i can get to see how gordon gordon's doing i I mean i don't know but you know a lot of players still standing still but the the league definitely the outcome of this season is definitely shaped by injury it's yeah it's in a lot of teams yeah like you said i mean teams aren't aren't necessarily prepared for this kind of thing um i mean i'm looking through the the list of injuries uh you know out for the season i mean even just kind of the the lower level, I shouldn't say lower level, but lower tier guys. I mean, Utah loses its its backup small forward and Tabo Cephalosha. Uh, Harry Giles is out for the Kings. Brandon Knight is out for the Suns. I mean, they're they're losing guys, not just starters, but I mean, key role players that can make or break a team's season. I mean, if you you know if you're running a seven man rotation and you know one of your main bench guys gets hurt somebody else is going to have to step up and and you don't necessarily know what you have with that player. Yeah. I mean, as a Celtics fan, I mean, I think we can vouch for, I mean, we won, we won the title in 2008, but we were supposed to win in 2009, 2010 too. Like we were right. We were right there. And Kevin, uh, I'm sorry, not Kevin love, not to bring up a sort sour subject. Uh, (laughs) uh, uh, Kevin Garnett, another subject uh, was injured. You know, he didn't play in the city. He didn't play that, 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 2010 series he was hurt and so it was like um it it shapes everything man I mean if one of the imagine if one of the well I was gonna say if one of the Warriors players goes down does that reshape the but they'd probably be fine um unless it was KD that's I think that's one of probably the few teams like I'm looking at every team's list I mean for for Golden State like their their guys that are out are Patrick McCaw who's out for a week and a half Sean Livingston is out until later this week, and Jordan Bell's a game a game time decision. Everybody else has somebody that's either out for the season or out as like a long term injury. 
And it's it's just crazy how how somehow them and the Houston Rockets stay healthy and other teams, you know, like the I think it was the the Kings is uh what I saw where they've got like nine or like four or five different guys that are injured that are all coming back in like a week and a half. Yeah. So uh the Memphis Grizzlies, sorry, Jarrell Martin, Ben McLemore, Mario Chalmers, Tyreek Evans, and Andrew Harrison are all potentially eligible to come back this week after being out for about a week or so. So, I mean, they lost six guys, five guys in the span of a week and a half. Yeah, it's crazy. Well, it also, that's another point we can make about Danny Ainge being a genius for not trading for Tyreek Evans, who is now injured. Yes, 100%. <laughs> Danny Ainge seems to know what he's doing. It, it's 100% crazy. Like, you know, you, you you expect it and you see all these moves, but it's like, when you see it happen in real time, you're like, is that the right move? And you kind of trust him a little bit, but then everything plays out and you're like, the guy's a genius. Yeah, it's incredible. I mean, and all the moves have been doubted and, and you know, poured over by the media. And it's like, he comes out on top every time. I got to go in a minute, but could I say two, two things before I go? Number one, yeah. Russell Westbrook is my favorite non-Celtics player in the NBA. Who is yours? Non-Wolves player. Non-Wolves player? I... Absolutely adore Giannis. I was on the yeah, Giannis train from day one. I hope he doesn't like Milwaukee and decides to move a little bit west and come to Minneapolis. I would pay yeah, him all yeah. the money in the world. It is so ridiculous, so wild to me that you guys are in separate conferences when you're like a couple hours apart. Yeah, it, it baffles me. And we've been we've been trying to push for the Wolves to move to the East. Trust me, it'd be a lot easier to make the playoffs. It makes Dude, no question. You guys would be like top three. Um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. And then finally, what was what was the deal? I, I watched the beginning of this game, but what was the deal with uh, Thibodeau and Jay Crowder the other night in the Utah game? Yeah, so Cat got ejected for arguing uh, a non-call. And then yeah. Jeff Teague, quote-unquote, hip-checked Ricky Rubio slash embellished. Um, and so Jay Crowder's barking and Tom Thibodeau barks back at him. And then I don't know if you saw this, but Jimmy Butler uh, tweeted and he hasn't tweeted. tweeted in two years, two years. He was off Twitter, <laughs> but he started a beef with Jay Crowder. His first tweets back. It was amazing. I absolutely loved it. But they played college together, right? Didn't they both play yeah. at Marquette? Yeah, they, oh they both, I, like, they're, so they're good friends, but like, it, it's still really, really fun to see because our biggest beef with the wolves is that there's no kind of intensity out of them. They don't really step up and defend their, their players kind of thing. And so seeing that from Butler, even though he's injured, I think was a really cool thing to see. Yeah, that's good. I think you guys need that identity. I mean, I, I I'm looking forward to the game tomorrow. Cause it's like Wiggins is one of my favorite players to watch. And I just feel like the squad has got a, a good mix of young, super talent and, and vets. So should be a good game, man. I'm stoked. Yeah, well, uh, I'll, I'll let you, go. I know, you guys. I know, I know you got a lot to go, but real quick, uh, who is your prediction for NBA champion 2018? Oh man, well this is um, this is going to be a shock, but I'm going to go with the Boston Celtics. <laughs> surprise, <laughs> surprise. I could be wrong, but I thought we were going to win last year too. I always pick up <laughs> to win. So. Again, you can find them on Twitter at Spizzy Spos. Uh, great music that you can find on Spotify, iTunes. Uh, he is our featured artist this week on The Howl, and you can hear a lot more of his music on the channel. A huge thank you, Spose, dude. Thank you so much for joining us and taking time out of your day to uh, to sit down and chat. 
Hey, man, thank you so much. I appreciate it. Good luck with the snow, and I look forward to shoveling 18 inches myself. Hey, there we go. We we got that in common. Next time you're in Minnesota, hit us up. We'll uh, There's a couple new places that opened up that if you like Hell's Kitchen, you're going to absolutely love, and uh, it'll be in the it. summer, so you're not going to die. I love it, yeah, and I've never had a bad time in Minneapolis, man. Definitely would love to come back. Perfect, man. We'd be happy to have you. Thanks again, dude. Have a great night. All right, you too, man. Thank you. Thank you. That does it for our first half show. Huge thanks again to both of our guests, Mario Navarro, and of course, our featured artist this week, Spose.